Welcome to this podcast from the Vessel Collective Church here in the heart of Texas. Our mission is to be vessels of the living Christ, set apart for His purpose and His kingdom. We thank you for sharing in this message here today. Amen. Can we thank our worship team for leading us this morning? Man, what a gift. I'm telling you, that's uh, something that out of all of this, when it comes to the context of church, I mean, I've missed everything, right? I've missed gathering. I've missed being, being in your presence. Uh, as nice as it's been to do church at home and be able to wake up, roll out of bed, not have to get ready, drink coffee, that has been really nice, and it, there's been nice things about it. And so if you're still participating in church at home, Lucky you that you did not have to get out of your pajamas this morning. So there's been a lot of good and kind of silver lining things in this whole adventure that we've been on, uh, but there's been a litany of things that I've desperately missed, uh, and I'm sure that we've all felt those things. Being in people's presence, um, being able to see your faces, uh, being able to not only preach to a camera every week. And I will tell you that the thing that I've probably missed the most, I didn't realize until recently, was worship. And man, when we started worshiping, and not that, not that worshiping in our homes is bad. I mean, it is God-honoring, but there's something about, and there's, there's purpose in the body of Christ coming together and gathering together. And we are, while we are grateful for technology and being able to do it at home, it is, I'm grateful to be able to get back. And as we started worshiping, it felt like just such a breath of fresh air. It's like, I don't know, like if you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like so thirsty, you know what I'm talking about? This is a yes, yeah? You wake up in the middle of the night, you're so thirsty and like you're hot and you're thirsty and you go and you drink water and it's just so refreshing. That's what it felt like when we started worshiping this morning. So thank y'all so much. And is that not the most appropriate song to worship the Lord to, a reminder that He is the one that creates a way where there was none, right? He makes a way and He makes it possible where there was nothing there before, when our backs were against the wall and we thought that it was over, that He made a way. And He has done that every step of the way through this process. Yet, here we sit on June 7th, beginning to gather again, beginning to, to come back and have service. And at the same way as I felt three months ago, desperate, there's no way forward. Our backs are against the wall. What is going on? As much as I felt that on March 16th, I believe, is when they shut our state down, I feel it more so today. I feel it more so today. And I, I can look back and I can see all the things that God has done. And I can be reminded of his goodness and his grace and his mercy and his peace and his consistency. But then I, I look out, I, I take my eyes off the Lord and I look out into the world and I see the brokenness of the world around us. And saying and giving the words to the idea and concept that this is hard, this is unknown, we're unsure. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to respond. To give words that does not do it justice. It doesn't do us justice to how we feel, but at the same time to not give words to that would be a mistake. 
and, and would be glossing over. And so there's so many things. I don't know if you know this. You probably do not. But today, June 7th, is our one-year anniversary for Vessel Collective Church. One-year anniversary. Isn't that amazing? One year we've been a church. The first Sunday, June 1st, our first Sunday in June of 2019 is when we officially became the vessel and we officially became a church. And so here we are, we're having our one-year-old birthday as a church. And I will tell you, this is not what I expected, right? This is not what I thought it would look like. I thought that we would have cake. I thought that we would have a celebration after church and a picnic, a potluck. I thought that we would be embracing and I thought it would be a celebration, truly celebrating what the Lord has done. And it looks different, but it is no less a celebration. If we would have begun in, on June 1st of 2019, and I said, hey, this is the road ahead, right? Here's what we're signing up for. In the next year, all of these things are going to happen. And I said, all right, who's on board? I think we would have gotten crickets, right? And I even think in my, myself, and so sometimes it's God's graciousness that we don't know the road ahead. And we find peace and we find comfort. We find provision and we find purpose knowing that He is the one that's making a way, that He is one that's guiding our path. And as we prayed up front, it's amazing that while we don't know what's coming, while we're surprised by the world that's happening around us, He is not. That he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so in that spirit, what I would like this morning to be is I don't have uh, a message prepared for this morning. So before you tune off and you close off uh, church at home, please stay with us. I don't have a message prepared for this morning. As I started looking and I started thinking, I started praying, and I landed in some scripture, as I began to say, point one I just, it just didn't feel right for me to stand up here and to say, hey, here is a three-step, three-step, four sub-steps under each one process of how you, how you're all okay, how this is right, how this is justified. It just, it didn't feel right. So what I want this morning to be is we are going to be in scripture this morning, but what I want this morning to be is really introspective. And I want this morning to be very participatory. As you know, I love participation. So if you're participating in church at home, um, in the comment section, I'm going to ask questions, and I want to encourage you to put that information in here. And if you're gathering with us here on Sunday morning at the YMCA, I want you uh, to participate in this morning. And I'm going to share from my experiences. So I'm asking for grace. I'm asking for um, honor in that as I share my family's experience over the past three months and over the past two weeks, uh, I want to be vulnerable and authentic. And authenticity is one of our core values, one of our four core values here at The Vessel. So I'm encouraging that from you as well. I'm encouraging grace as I share. So the first thing that I want us to do is think about how we feel. And I want us to, to speak into that as we jump in this morning. I want us to speak into the, the way that we feel during all this. And so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to share and I'm going to ask you to share. It can be one word. It can be a phrase. I mean, I don't want us to, to, to go too down, uh, too far down different rabbit trails, but I'm going to, I'm going to share with you how we feel. And I'm going to start and we're going to pray for those things. There's no wrong answer. 
there's no right answer. How you feel matters. So we've had a lot of conversations about this, and I've been so encouraged by Shay, and she's been such a gift uh, to me during all this as we've talked through what's happening in the world around us. And so, I mean, from the coronavirus and shutting down the church to when we come back and how we come back and what's appropriate and everything that's happened with the protesting, to see the stories and the videos and images of Ahmaud Aubrey and George Floyd, to see the brokenness of our world. I've, I've never in my 37 years of living ever, the, the brokenness and the sinfulness of the world around us has never been so clear to me. And so I'm going to start by reading some of Shay's journal, and I got her permission from this, is that she's had a hard time talking about this. And so every time we've begun the conversation, she's gotten emotional and, and resisted that conversation. And so the way she described it last night was just beautiful. As we were sitting outside, she said, it's like the tears are there just waiting to fall. Man, and I just thought that was a beautiful description of how we feel. The tears are there just waiting to fall. And as soon as I begin to talk or look about some of these things that are happening around us, that's how I feel. And so she had me offer, let me read her journal. And this is what she wrote to God. She said, we live in a broken world. Never before have I felt this. The coronavirus continues to put fear in people everywhere, shaping an altered way of life now and for the future. We just sat there and reflected that like the path forward doesn't look different. The path forward has changed. Does that make sense? That it's not just that, that we're continuing in the same direction. It's that, that the direction we're continuing has changed. And while that may feel minimal right now, as, as change happens, degrees, as time moves forward, that looks significantly different. And in six, six months, I wish it was six months, in three months, to see how significantly that path forward has changed for the world and what it looks like. And she wrote that. Uh, she said, I say 75% of people in stores still wearing masks, and although businesses are still opening back up, each is taking serious sanita sanitary measures. And I'm going to be patient here as I don't want to uh, read too much into her emotions. Yet other businesses did not survive this, and the recession has, and has closed things altogether. Our own church is rejoining our full service this Sunday. This should be a joyful occasion. But that all that's going on, I'm now not so excited. She goes on to say, Jake is delighted, though, because he's tired of preaching to a camera. And that is true. She said, on top of everything with the COVID-19, our world is also thrashing over racial injustice. Recently, a black man under suspicion was taken into custody and murdered, choked by the knee of a police officer, as others, officers and citizens witnessed and watched. And as this man's pleas for release, he asked for release so he could simply breathe. And she goes on to talk about how heartbreaking that is. And so I want to know, how do you feel this morning? 
So if you would be so bold, even just a single word about how you feel about everything that's going on around us in the last three words, I want to give voice to that, and I want to pray for those things before we jump into Scripture. Melissa, disappointed, yeah. And you see how disappointing it is around us, for sure. Dora. Say that a little bit louder. Disbelief. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah, she said, like, she felt in disbelief, but at the same time grateful for the things and for the everyday. How do you do that? How do you feel both of those things as a Christ for? How do you feel in disbelief? And how do you feel an emotion of gratefulness for everyday things? And, and, but yet, when we think things are getting better, we see the hardened hearts of the, the brokenness of the world around us. Thank you, Dora. Who else? Janet. Overwhelmed, yeah. Overwhelmed. Oh, man. Have I ever not felt qualified, able to be a pastor? My journal this week has been that, has been like I've written down all of these things, and I wrote, Jesus, help me. And then I wrote a uh, dot, 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 and I said, that, I don't, I, that doesn't, Lord, help me does not give credit to what I feel like, Jesus, do the miraculous, right? I'm overwhelmed. How do we lead through this? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Jeff, that's great. Yeah, we're blessed for the things that we have. Like, it's easy to look around us and find those things, like Doris said, they're thankful. But, like, how does change happen? How do we make the right decision like, and, I, and I believe that that doesn't happen with policy or politicians or politics, but it happens in the hearts. I believe it happens in the church. Yeah. Stephen, help us. Yeah. What do I do? What do I do? Jenna. Yeah. Yeah. Jen is saying online, people are saying they're, they're sad and they're heartbroken and even scared. I mean, that's, yeah, that's a scary thought. So I, I want to pray for that. I, and I'm going to share one more. And I'm going to share a, an interaction I have with our children. As, and then we're going to pray and we're just going to read through some scripture really easy. And then we're going to uh, close out this morning. So yeah, like uh, we've all had, like everything that everyone said is exactly how everyone feels right? We, we felt all those things and those matter. So this week, um, our, our kids, uh, our daughter went to a family member's house this past week. And we, you know, we have a 10 year old and a seven year old and a five year old. And, and 
you know, I think about what's the right way to have that conversation with our kids. We have kids in the room today. Like when's the right time? What's the right way to have a really hard, a really difficult conversation that you feel helpless and overwhelmed of having? How do you do that? How do you parent and lead through this? So we would, uh, my daughter came back and she was at a family member's house and she saw the news was on. And we don't watch a lot of news at home. And we, not to say that we're, we don't participate in the news, but typically, I mean, we're in our 30s. So basically we get it, I get it through Reddit and, you know, whatever social media. But, you know, we don't turn the news on on television the, traditionally every morning, like maybe we were raised. Um, but she saw this. And so she, at dinner table, of the night she got home, she said, Daddy, what happened with that man? And I was like, well, what do you mean? And she said, and all the kids around him, she said, well, there was a, there was a black man. And she, then she said, well, there was a, a bad man. And then she was like, well, I don't know if he was bad. Like, it, it, she, she was unsure. She's like, but he was being arrested and a police officer, he was killed. And so whether you want to have a conversation or not with your children, that is a, that's how it happens, right, for parents. That's how it happens to ask questions. And so we began a conversation at dinner to explain the, the, the racism that's still in our country, the social injustice, what's happening, why people are mad, why people are angry, and how anger is appropriate when we see human beings and injustice being done and people not being valued how they are, and, and we see them and we are, we are angered over that injustice. That is righteous, God-honoring, Jesus-fed anger. And that anger is appropriate. That is an appropriate feeling and response as to what we see. But then why does that anger turn into destruction? trying to explain to our kids, that's what the brokenness of this world does, is the brokenness and the sin of this world takes something that's, that's righteous in the, in the, and honors Jesus, and, that the, and the, the brokenness of this world turns that into destruction. And, and how do we as Christ followers turn our anger into passion and, and where we don't feel helpless and we don't feel hopeless, but we desire change and we desire it to come here within the church and how we turn that into passion and, and, and not to hear like, oh, man, Jesus is king and Jesus is Lord. Jesus is king and Jesus is Lord. But saying those things and believing those things and knowing those things doesn't matter. Like, oh, now I'm okay. Now I don't care. Like, how is that our desire? And the conversations I've had this week with, with people all around me in the past two weeks, our, our last mission activity was to have conversations, was to have conversations. I've had conversations with, with people in my home. I've had conversations with friends and people of color. I've had conversations with, uh, with people that are white I've had, I've had conversations with people that are black. I've had conversations with people that are Chinese. I've begun these conversations. And, and the common thing that I've heard from people, the, 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 the one consistency through every conversation that I've had with people of color has said, I'm tired. I'm tired of this. I'm tired that we're still here. I just don't. I had lunch with someone this week, uh, and, and they just said, I just, 
There's days I wake up and I just don't want to deal with it. That, as a church, as Christ Church, that's scary because that is the birth of hopelessness. And when we get to a place where we think, I'm just tired of it, and what's the point? Nothing's ever going to change. Man, that's hopelessness. So as we were having this conversation with our kids, trying to explain to them racial injustice, it, it, it became so clear how complicated it is. If you can't explain it to an elementary child, that's how complicated the issue is. And so I explained to them, I said, well, how does it go back in your family? And like, like what does family play? And so I started to say, well, my dad... My dad was, uh, was a business. When I turned 16, I got a vehicle. I got a car. My dad owned a business. He was on the city council. My grandfather, his dad, also owned a business. My dad got a car when he was 16. My dad had his college paid for. My, grand, that, my, my, my dad's dad's dad's, my great-grandfather, my children's great-great-grandfather was mayor of our town, owned a business, was wealthy by any substance. And so I started talking to her, by my children, about like, if I was a person that was African-American, that might have looked different and that likely looked different. Like the, that if, if, if we were a family that was black, that our history wouldn't go back to the mayor of our town. Our, our history of our family would go back to a different place. And why that matters now and why we're not that removed from it. So I started having these conversations, and we talked about it. And we talked, then we have a conversation about police officers. The police officers are good people that serve our community, that protect us, that put their life on line every single day. And how that matters, and how that, that one or a few, and why, well, and, and I, I, how to even explain that. So we did our best to understand the kids and we prayed with them about it and talked about how every person, that no matter what you look like, no matter where you come from, no matter the color of your skin, no matter the job that you have, matters, life matters. And, and so we had this conversation and moved through it. The next day, I was taking Barrett, I took my youngest, my five-year-old, and we were going to get a, a propane tank for we were having our small group over for a barbecue, which was, ugh. Amazing. I needed that. And so we were going to get a propane tank. And so as we were pulling in to, to get the tank, uh, a red Corvette blows by us, like we're on 620. And then a police officer, I mean, it's coming by. I'm like, oh, look, buddy, the, the police officer's pulling him over. And my five-year-old son says, Daddy, is it because he's black? And I mean, that just like I'm, broke me. I'm like, like that, uh, my five-year-old would wonder if the person driving the car is possibly being pulled over only because of the color of their skin. And I mean, that gives me chills. I'm like, no, buddy. Like, no, that police officer is protecting them. That person's driving too fast and is putting themselves and other people. And that police officer is helping them. But to think like that my five-year-old, how do we have those conversations? And that's how I feel. And that's how we feel. And so I want to pray for that. And then I, we're just going to read some scripture and we're going to worship. So let's pray. Dear Lord, God, thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. God, I thank you that you promise wisdom in scripture. God, that you say wisdom is more precious than anything on this earth and that you give it freely. So God, we just seek you. 
God, we seek your face. We humble ourselves. We call upon your name. All those things that we feel matter, that we feel scared, we feel sad, we feel helpless, we feel hopeful, we feel grateful for the things that we have. God, I pray that for the vessel, that this would be a time, Jesus, that, that you raise us up. God, that we would be kingdom people. God, that like it was spoken and said, God, that you would change us, that you would change our hearts. God, that you would help us with how to navigate hard conversations. God, that you would help us give us courage to begin conversations. God, I pray for your word to be sharper than any double-edged sword that you speak to us right here, right now. We pray these things in your name. Amen. So where we're going to be reading today, if you have your Bibles, that's one of our four points is BYOB, bring your own Bible. If you would get that out, we are not going to have screen, lyrics up on this screen. So lyrics. The Bible does not have lyrics. The Bible has verses. We're not going to have verses up on the screen. So I'm encourage you to read along. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and chapter 6. And this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. This is Paul writing to the church in Corinth, and what Paul is doing, he's writing to the church, and while we're going to read through the end of five and end of six, I want to remind you that in the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, there were no chapter breaks, there were no verses, so you're going to see a chapter break here, and that's, that's, you know, that, that never happened in Paul's letter, so just keep that in mind. And what I want us to do is we're just going to read a few verses and talk about what they mean and, and seek the Lord's response for everything that's going on around us. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and beginning in verse 18, Paul is writing this to the church, and he's reminding them of something. He says this. He says, all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he committed to us the message of reconciliation. So Paul, Paul writes about this idea and about this ministry of reconciliation. If you ever heard that term, it comes right here from 2 Corinthians. And Paul says that that's what we're called to. And the idea of reconciliation, reconciliation is actually a financial concept or term, and it means to, to, to square up financially, originally. And so as we know from Scripture, the wages of sin is, is death. The wages of sin is death. What is a wage? A wage is something that you're owed because of something that you've done. If I go to work, if you go to work on Monday and you work for eight hours, you are owed a wage for what you've done. And so when you're paid, that's reconciled. You've been paid for the work that you've done. A wage is earned and not given. Does that make sense? A wage is earned and not given, meaning that you don't go and, and work eight hours on Monday and then your boss pays you and you think, man, thank you so much. That's so generous of you. You're so kind. Your boss doesn't get to say, hey, great job. We're not going to pay you this week. No, that's yours because you're owed that. So when Scripture says the wages of sin is death, because of our sin, what is our payment? How are we reconciled? Death is through, is through our death. 
And that's what we get from, this, from our sin. So what Paul says is he says that God has reconciled us to himself. Uh, a few, the, the, back this fall when everything was normal, I had this brilliant idea that I was going to start with our kids a little chore chart with our kids. And they were going to be like, I was going to nickel and dime them, right? I was going to get them to do things for me and I was going to pay them chump change. And they know that now. It's like, man, if you pooper scoop the yard, I'll pay you a quarter, right? If you unload the dishwasher, 10 cents. If you do this, you get a nickel, right? I, I, I built all this chore chart and I was like, all right, you keep track of it and then we're going to pay. And so they start keeping track of it. And so two weeks, my daughter brings to me this page with all these markings on it. And she's like, here is the chores I've done. She's like, you owe me $8. I'm like, wait, what? No, come on. And so we went through about her unloading the dishwasher and pooper scooping the yard or whatever else it was. And, and we had to reconcile, right? I wasn't being nice to give her that money. Uh, I owed her that. I promised her that. And so that's the way when we say our wages of sin is death, it means that that's, our recon, that's how we reconcile with God. And what it did is what Scripture, what Paul reminds us is that God reconciled himself to us through Jesus Christ. The price was paid, and we were reconciled because of Jesus' blood. But then he doubles down, and he says, not only has God reconciled himself to you, but you are called. He doesn't just say called. He says you are committed to the ministry of reconciliation. So as we stop, and we look out into the world and we look at the brokenness and everything that's going on around us, do we look there and we say, that's my, that's my ministry. I look out and I'm called to be, a, to be a minister of reconciliation, that God has given me the message that he is reconciling the world to himself. Or do we look out and say, ah, oh, they're wrong, they're right, they're kind of right, they're definitely wrong. And, and do, we, do we divide up and we, do we find our, our spot of righteousness is just what I think, believe, feel is correct. And anything here or here is wrong. Or do we look out and do we see ourselves called to a ministry of reconciliation? So first and foremost, I want you to think about that. For yourself and for the vessel, are we called to the ministry of reconciliation? As we walk out of here and as we live our lives, are we people that point to Jesus as the one who reconciles man to himself? He goes on in verse 20, after saying in verse 19, he says, he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. And then verse 20, he says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Paul uses this term and tells them, because you've been called the, the message of the, the ministry of reconciliation, you are now an ambassador for Christ. And so that an ambassador is a governmental term that has meaning in what it means to be an ambassador. My brother works for the U.S. consulate. So he, he's, in, he's going to Sarajevo, Bosnia, and he works for the State Department there. And my brother is there on behalf of the United States of America. 
right? And while he's not officially an ambassador, his role looks similar. So just to think about ourselves as ambassadors for Christ, it means several things. It means first and foremost, you're a foreigner. You're a foreigner that this land and this world and the brokenness of the earth that we live in, this is foreign soil, that, that we belong to the kingdom, that that is where we belong. And if you call Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, your place is not here. Your place is eternal. But God has left us here in the ministry of reconciliation as an ambassador. Second of all, you are a representative. The things that you say, the things that you do, the way that you act represent what you what you're an ambassador for. If my brother is in Bosnia, he doesn't just get to act a fool all the time and say, hey, I'm off work hours, right? Like, let's go downtown Sarajevo. I have no idea if that is, Sarajevo's great. I know it used to not be great, but now it's fine. But anyways, he doesn't get to go just act a fool. Why? Because he represents the government. So if we represent Christ, if we're ambassadors, we represent the kingdom, the kingdom of God. Not only that, but also... If you're an ambassador, it's no longer your agenda. It is no longer your agenda that is most important. It means that that your life you set aside and you pick up the agenda of the kingdom. And it means that that is our priority and that is our focus. It's why we have someone in our church that can say, I'm giving my life to go live in a Muslim country where I put my life on the line every single day for the sake of the kingdom. Because my agenda and what I want is secondary to what the Lord wants for my life. So he says, we're called to a ministry of reconciliation and that we are ambassadors for Christ. And then he begins, if we skip ahead a little bit in in chapter six, in verse four, and I want to read, I'm going to read through this, and then we're going to look at this slowly. And, and I want you to think and, and reflect on these words. Beginning in verse 4, Paul says, Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. Commend ourselves literally means that there's the definitions of commend ourselves. There's four definitions. If you look up their root word in the actual translation, there's four translations. What it means that we commend ourselves to everything. Commend ourselves first means to place together, to bring or band together. It means that we as a church commend ourselves. We come together, we band together for something, and we're about to find out what those somethings are. Second definition is to set or stand with another. It means that if my brother Scott is standing here, it means if I commend myself, I go, I get up out of my chair and I stand with him right? I'm united with my brother in Christ, and we stand together. The the third definition is to put together by way of composition or combination, to put together like a puzzle or like putting pieces. If we are commended together, we have to believe with all of our heart that God called us to the vessel that he put us here for his purpose in his kingdom. That is our mission statement. This is where he's placed us. That we don't, we're not, we don't call the vessel home because it's the most comfortable gymnasium in all of Round Rock, Texas. And God's put us here. And we might have been somewhere else before. God took that piece out and put it here. And he may take us on from this. 
but that God has put us together. And the last, and I love this, the last definition of to commend ourselves is to put together, to unite parts into a whole, to unite parts into a whole. That is also known as a collective parts that make up a whole. And so when Paul says we commend ourselves, it means we see ourselves in that way for the sake of the kingdom, because we're in the ministry of reconciliation, because we're ambassadors, that rather as servants of God, now we commend ourselves in every way. And he lists 37 things. I want you to read this. I want you to look at this. He lists 37 things. And uh, Grant, we have a slide. If you'll put that slide up. I put all 37 things into a word cloud. Does anybody know what a word cloud is? Bam, word cloud. And Jacob, we should be able to put that online for church at home. So just look at these. I know it's hard to read some. We commend ourselves in every way. I just want you to listen to this. In great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as imposters, known yet regarded as unknown, dying yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing yet possessing everything. Man, I don't like this, the world that we live in, the broken, is nothing new. Paul did not write this. This isn't a letter to the church in 2020. This is, a, this is an ancient letter to the church in Corinth. And we think, like, man, this is, what are we going to, like, oh, man, like, we got to fix this. We got to get, we got like, this is nothing new. And Paul reminds us of that. As we look through the 37 things, he says, in great endurance, that is not just, yours translation may say patience. It's more than patience. It's bearing together under the pressure of the world around us. It's the same thing as in Ephesians says, when we bear it with one another in love. In troubles, your translation may say afflictions. I don't know what you would qualify coronavirus if it's not an affliction. It says we stand up, we commend ourselves, we stand up together, we unite together, right, against these things. And troubles or afflictions and hardships and distresses. The word distresses literally means, this is a literal trans, narrowness of place. It means, man, we are walking the narrow road for the kingdom of heaven. Beatings is stripes. By his stripes, we are healed. Same word. Imprisonments and in riots. If that does not sound familiar you should get on Reddit or whatever way that you get news. Sleeplessness, unable to go to sleep at night. And hunger, that can be fasting, fasting, self-induced hunger, or out of poverty and lack of. In those things, and then he says, by these things, by purity, 
by understanding that is spiritual understanding. That's not that we know everything and we know all the things and we've read all the stuff on all the websites and we have the right answer and we have all the right statistics and that we know we're know-it-alls. It does not say impurity and because we're all know-it-alls, right? Spiritual understanding. By patience and kindness, those two things are listed in the fruit of the what? The fruit of the Spirit, right? Peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, patience and kindness. That is the fruit of the Spirit of Christ living in us. If he wasn't more specific, if, if you weren't sure before, then he says, by the Holy Spirit, a bit more direct. Then he says, by authentic love. I love that. One of our core values is authenticity, that we are real, that we are real, that we don't misrepresent. And the love is agape love, is unconditional, the love that Christ gave on the cross, the love that we as Christ followers are called to. Truthful speech means we tell the truth about Jesus Christ and about human beings and how much they matter to him. In righteousness, he says righteousness in the right hand and righteousness in the left hand. Like we need double righteousness. It's not self-righteousness, it's righteousness from God. And then he lists these things that are opposites, that are opposite ends of the spectrum. So these are spectrums, right? And he's saying through, in all of this stuff, by these things and through these spectrum of things. It means no matter what end of the spectrum is, that we are the same, that we are a kingdom people. Through glory and dishonor, through bad report and good report. Now, I am desperate. I am desperate for us to get good reports when we have gotten nothing but bad. But, it, but if our faith and our trust and our following of Jesus is affected by whether it's good news or bad news, we don't know the good news. You understand? If good news or bad news from the world changes who we are, and what we feel about the gospel and why that matters to us, that we're not paying attention, that we don't know the good news. Genuine, yet regarded as imposters. Known, yet regarded as unknown. Dying, yet we live on. Beaten, yet not killed. Sorrowful, yet rejoicing. Poor, yet making many rich, having nothing, yet possessing everything, the kingdom of heaven. And so I, I want to, we're going to close with a couple things, and this is our second point of interaction. And then we're going to close with a worship song. It says, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. And I want you to know as Christ fathers, it's exactly what Dora said at the beginning. She said, I'm hurting, yet I'm thankful. So despite everything we've been through the last month, we still rejoice in Christ. So I want to know from you, I want you to share, as you look back on, on what the last three months have been, what are you rejoicing over? What are you praising God for? Where have you seen his hand has worked? Because while we have been quarantined and sheltered in place, the kingdom of heaven has not. So if you put your faith and your relationship with Jesus on hold, just because the world was on hold, the Lord did not stop what he was doing. His kingdom coming was not deterred by coronavirus. It's not deterred by, by the, the, the 
our, our, our world that is split apart and divided and divisive and hateful. So I want to ask you, what are you rejoicing as you look back? Where have you seen God work? Laura. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Amen. Yeah, that's a total blessing. Man, the look at the Lord is... Is as Laura said, if you can't hear through church at home, talk about uh, financial provision for their family. Unexpected, unplanned, didn't know it was coming. And we praise God for how he sustained us and provided for us. Who else? Yeah. Wow. Praise the Lord. Yeah, family, and you get to go and be together. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Yeah. That's amazing. Who else? Yeah. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Scott's little brother, uh, he's telling me this, Janet was telling me this morning, I had a baby. Yeah. Praise the Lord for that. Jeff? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Just as I know a lot more of my neighbors. Man, praise the Lord for that. You're like desperate for human interaction. Man, we rejoice for that. Man, if God hasn't given us an opportunity to get to know other people, yeah, man, we rejoice in that. What else? Jenna. Yeah. Yeah, being outdoors is, yeah, as Jenna said, having opportunities to go hiking and to be outside and, and that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Man. Wow. Praise the Lord. That's amazing. Uh, Ginger was saying that uh, her mother passed away uh, during all this, and there wasn't a way for them to go and see and be with her in the hospital, but the Lord worked it out to where they could, and she got to be with her mother as she passed and as she went to eternity. And did you, were you sorrowful? Yeah, joyful. Yeah. Man, what a rejoicing. Isn't that amazing? What else? Yes, Alyssa. Yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure. Busyness is so, yeah, and that we've gotten to be focused on ourselves and have time with family and where we are in self-care, right? We've always got an excuse of busyness. Well, man, we're rejoicing. The Lord fix that real quick. So I'm going to invite the worship team back up here, and we're going to close. 
uh, with this song. And I want to, to tell you why I chose this song. This is the last time I'm going to brag on old Shay Shay, my beautiful bride. As we were talking last night, she said, she just said this, she talked about this, is that one thing she's been thinking about with the Lord is this idea about, about the importance of breath and how we breathe. She said that the last three months, like if one thing, that, that like if one concept could, could wrap up everything that's happened, it would be how we breathe. She said, you know, in this coronavirus, we've been so afraid of the air that we're breathing, that, it, that it's got germs in it, that we're gonna get sick. We keep distance, we keep it covered. We want filtered air. That we've been, there, there's been this sense of fearful over the air that we're breathing. And then she said, you know, and as two weeks ago, I watched that video of George Floyd dying and him saying, I can't breathe. And just how that, like those two, like somehow strangely those things are interwoven together. And I just, I was like, man, that is so powerful. And a reminder that, that God is breathes life. Genesis chapter one, verse two says his ruah, his, his spirit was over the world. That's breath. That's translated as breath, the breath of God. It says that God, that the scripture is God breathed, that we can open this today and read an ancient text that just perfectly describes what we're going through and how we're feeling and where we're struggling. So as we sing this song, I'm gonna leave this up here. You're going to know this song likely as it's an old school worship song. But I want us to remind ourselves about the gift that, that, that of, of Christ in our lives. That every moment of every day is a gift. That the air that we breathe, every breath that we take is a gift. Let's stand and I'm going to pray and let's worship. God, I thank you, Jesus, that you are everything and we are nothing. There's times in our lives, God, as, like Alyssa said, that we're busy and we're going and we think we've got the answer. We think we've got it figured out. We think we know the path ahead. God, we begin to desire control. And then, then things like the last three months that we go through remind us that we are not in control. But thank God you are, literally, Jesus. So as we sing this song, God, I just want to be a reminder of the gift of life in Christ. God, and that you are the air that we breathe. God, that you give the gift of life where there is death. Thank you for joining us this morning for our service. We are publishing content throughout the week for Church at Home through our social media and website. For more information, visit www.vessel.church.